0: We are excited to announce Generations Church now has two opportunities for attending Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. This exciting addition to our meeting times enables us to provide more ministry, fellowship, and friendship. So, we want you to join us at 9 or 10.30 this Sunday morning and find your new church home with us. Call us at 817-326-5378 or visit generationspeople.org and experience for yourself all the exciting things happening at Generations. That's 817-326-5378 or generationspeople.org. We look forward to seeing you this Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30. Generations Church of Granbury is located at 5718 East Highway 377.
1: Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations, as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. The songs you are about to enjoy are from the Generations Church worship team, led by Pastor Sheikh Anderson, with the Gen Praise Band, and on special occasions, some great guest musicians.
2: Later on in the broadcast, you may hear a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, along with some teaching from the Bible, with Pastor Alan Mata or another Generations Church leader or special guest. So, without any further delay, welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church.
0: entire family. All students sixth grade and above are invited to GenRev at 630, and all children, including preschool and nursery, are welcome to join our Kids Club at 7. Also at 7, women are invited to our Treasure Within Bible Study, and all our men are welcome to check out the James Gang Bible Study. Wednesday nights are alive at Generations, and we want you and your entire family to be a part of it. And those are just a couple of the many great things happening right here at Generations. To get more information about everything going on, check out our weekly Lord's Day Bulletin. Visit generationspeople.org and .mobi, and like our Facebook page. We'll see you next time.
1: We're in for a very special treat today. Bill and Debbie Leckie are here with us. Bill is from Shreveport, Louisiana, and when I got to know him, he was a pastor in Big Sandy, Texas, and then later he was a youth pastor at Shady Grove Church, worship pastor at Shady Grove Church, and then a pastor in Dallas, most recently in Bentonville, Arkansas. And we are so blessed to have Bill and Deborah back in the Metroplex, and I've asked them to come and preach for us today.
3: Thank you, Alan. It's a a joy to be back here. I think it was about, my wife and I were talking about this, I think it was maybe close to six years ago, the last time we were here in Granbury, and I think Pastor Allen was out uh, of town and had asked us to come and speak, and it's always a joy to come here. I've known Pastor Alan and uh, Yvette for a, for a long, long time, and I won't tell you how long because we're getting old and I don't want to go there, uh, but it's a joy to be here with you this morning. I'm actually going to share a message with you today that's really... Uh, You know, I don't don't know how you are, if there's some particular scripture, some particular area that God has really used in your life, spoken to you and given you a message from. But this morning is really my life message, and I, I really want to share it with you, hopefully in a way that will encourage you and help you to see things maybe a little differently, even in your present circumstance. And the title of the message is Releasing Your Potential." releasing your potential. And here in just a moment, I'm going to read what is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Now, if you notice, I have my Bible here, okay? But I'm using my iPad to read from, and I'll tell you one simple reason, just so that it puts you all at ease. I've got my Bible. I'm even opening it to the reference. But I'm going to be using my iPad for one simple reason. The font is larger, and it's easier for me to read. To see. So I hope that doesn't bother anyone uh, that I'll be reading uh, from that. But it, it is uh, out of Jeremiah 1 verses 4 through 8. You can turn there if you want here and be ready. But this idea of potential can be both encouraging or discouraging, depending on your perspective. If someone comes up to you and says, and does this to you, you had so much potential. And they say it to you like that just kind of shaking their head, you know. You had so much potential. I don't know if anyone in here watched any football yesterday. But we all know if you follow sports of any kind, there are always people who have great potential, but they may or may not live up to it. So we can even hear the term potential, releasing your potential, almost as something that scolds us or, or reminds us that we have not done it. And so some people hear it from that perspective. Or we can hear it from the perspective of being greatly encouraged that there is something potential within us. In fact, the dictionary definition of the word potential is some latent excellence or ability that may or may not be developed. That's the dictionary definition of potential. And what I want to share with you today is that God created and made every one of us in this room and every person who's ever lived on this earth, He was directly involved in our existence and He did it with purpose and intention and there was meaning involved and He has placed within every one of us potential based on Him and what He saw in His Creator's mind's eye. It's important for you to hear that this morning, that every one of us has potential. Now, I'm going to make another statement. For something to be potential, it must be possible. Now you need to hear that. In order for, if I say to you, you have potential to make a difference in your family, in your school, at your work, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your church, if I say to you, God has put within you potential, the first thing you need to kind of get encouraged about in your heart is that if it's potential, it must be possible. Because this is where some of us struggle right off the bat. Well, maybe for them, you know, maybe for that guy that gal. You know, they're cooler than me. That Maybe them. No, no, no. That needs to be erased from your thinking this morning. As we look at this scripture, we're going to discover something. Because I'm going to tell you something. I grew up, as uh, Pastor Allen said, in Shreveport, Louisiana. I grew up on the wrong side of the wrong side of the tracks in Shreveport, Louisiana. My wife, Deborah, who's sitting right over here, if you wave, huh? wave, hey. Uh, Deborah and I have been married for 33 years, and I married way up. Okay, I married way up. Every man in the room here did the same. Guaranteed. You might as well just go ahead and admit it. It'll go better for you in life. We mar- I married way up. I-, I came from this place where had it not been for a good, strong youth group and some other community organizations, who knows where I could have gone. I grew up in a family that we did not have very much money. We, I didn't know, know we were poor until I left home. Right. And then I realized not only were we poor, we were like the comedians say sometimes, we were po We couldn't afford the other two letters. <laughs> and we were the family that the churches in the area would bring the boxes of food and stuff at the holidays, you know, they would bring us stuff. And I mean, as a kid, I grew up I had both my parents, it was wonderful. Uh, We have a very loving home. But I mean, we just didn't have many things. And it would have been easy for me to dismiss my ability to have any potential based on where I came from, based on my economic status. But God doesn't see things that way. Okay, are you with me? Here's Jeremiah 1. Verses 4 through 8. Listen to what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you... Let me give it to you, actually. (laughs) Sorry about that. not used to the clicker thing. Pastor Allen's an expert at it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations... Then said I, O oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say... That's, that's, you might want to underline that in your Bibles if you do that sort of thing or highlight it on your iPad or your phone or whatever you're using. Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces... For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Jeremiah is a young man and God begins to speak into his life and tell him about what is going to unfold. God always speaks to potential. You can read throughout the scripture. He always speaks to the potential He put within you. Every place you read. Remember Gideon hiding in the wine press, fearful and afraid. And how did God address him? Gideon, mighty man of valor. What was God doing? Trying to hype Gideon up? Was he trying to say, "Woohoo, you're the stuff, man?" No. He spoke to the potential that he placed within him. The word of God, when God speaks, always addresses the potential that is within us. Now, I, I, if I understood Pastor Allen correctly, you guys have been in the book of John. Is that right? One of my uh, scriptures in John, one of my favorite scriptures in the book of John, is the story of Lazarus. I love that story where Jesus comes on the scene intentionally. Let you, are you familiar with the story? And he comes and Lazarus has died because Jesus took so long to get there. And so he gets there and Jesus says three basic things. The first thing he says, take away the stone. He removed the obstacle. That thing which separated Lazarus from him, he dealt with it just like he's dealt with sin. That thing that separated us from from him, it's been dealt with. Are you with me? Okay, you understand where I'm going with this? He said, take away the stone. And people protested, by the way. They said, no, don't don't do that. He's been in here four days. He's going to stink. See, he said that full well knowing Lazarus' condition and full ready to. To embrace him as he was. He said, Hey, take away the stone. Then he says, Lazarus, come forth. Or if you're from uh, my generation back coming up, we all remembered a guy named Carmen who had a song about this who would say, Lazarus, come forth. You know, and we picture that in all kinds of ways. And you might think of it this way. In my mind, I used to think of it like watching wrestling on TV, pyrotechnics going off and Out comes Lazarus with his hands raised and shouting at the crowd. That's not what happened. The scripture says he came out bound hand and foot, wrapped in grave clothes, and his face was covered with a cloth. His face was covered. In other words, he had no vision. He couldn't work. And he couldn't walk. But he was alive. But the most powerful thing that Jesus said was the third thing. Loose him and let him go. Why is that powerful? Because it reveals the heart of God. Amen. Jesus had said in another place in John, I've come that you might have life and that you can have it in abundance. In the experience with Lazarus, he says, "It's not I'm not going to be satisfied that you're alive." There are people everywhere, they're spiritually alive because they've come into a relationship with Jesus, but they don't have a work, they can't walk, and they have no vision. Need to be loose so that we can enjoy the life we've been given. This is the very idea of potential. And I'm going to give you three things here this morning about that. Here's the first. If you want to release your potential, you have to embrace purpose. You have to embrace purpose. The Scripture says that before uh, anything... I formed you is the, is the phrase you can think of here. I formed you. But the Scripture tells us that even before He formed us, He knew us. What is happening here when God speaks to Jeremiah this way? What is He revealing? He says, hey, before the forming process... Ever began, I already saw. I already knew who you were and what you were going to have in the way of potential in this life. And based upon what I knew about you, I made you the way you are. Embracing purpose is significant. I use the word embrace on purpose because it's not just a, this is not a word that represents a, an acknowledgement to something. Like you're walking through the mall and you see somebody you know and you go, hey, how you doing? And you just keep going. This is more like the term that you see a family member or a loved one you haven't seen in a long time. What do you do? You go up, you give a hug, you pull them close. This is the idea of embracing. So when I say embrace purpose, you need to take this step because choice is the key to releasing potential. Choices are the key. So when we choose to embrace, it means we say, God, you have a purpose for me. You saw something, and you formed me the way I am. I'm unique. I'm not the same as anyone else. You've made me the way you've made me. I'm not an uh uh-oh. I'm not an oops. I'm not an accident. You did this on purpose. You made me who I am. Now, I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to choose to embrace that you have a purpose. And and how do we come to understand this? Well, His purpose is revealed by His design. You need to think about that for a second. It's revealed by His design. That design based on His knowledge, that design, he, He saw something like a great architect in His Creator's mind's eye and He formed us. Accordingly, if you don't get anything else this morning, you need to hear that you were designed by God for a purpose. It's important that you believe it, it's important. So it's re- revealed by his design. Jeremiah was one of those who had to come into a place of making a choice. Here's the thing. None of us here are the same. Uh, you know what? Here's a, let me just tell you this. I'm glad everyone is not like me. I mean, I'm, I'm great. I'm wonderful. I love me. I think I'm a good guy. You know, all that stuff. But if we were all like me, prisons would be full because we'd kill each other. I mean, even I can irritate me after a while. I'm just saying, if if we're all the same. Unfortunately, when we come to church, sometimes what we think God is after is unison. But the Scripture does not tell us to come into unison. It tells us to come into unity. And there is a difference between unison and and unity unison means everything is exactly the same it means if you put it in musical terms it means that we're all singing the same song at the same time on the same verse and we're but we're also all making the exact same sound the tone qualities are all the same and nothing varies unity is when we're all singing the same song on the same verse and the same time signature and the same key, hopefully. You know what I'm saying? But we're all on this together. But each of us singing it with our own expression and the tonal qualities and differences of our voices coming together. And what you find is is that unison is okay, but the, it's the unity of the diversity that creates the beauty of a symphony. And this is significant. And this is what church is intended to be like. Because God individually made you with potential. And as you express that and embrace that purpose and begin to be who God made you to be, you come into unity with others. And we're all headed in the same direction, but each of us have our own way of bringing something to the table. The psalmist says we are fearfully which is, some versions say respectfully. In other words, this was not a haphazard throwing together of something. Oh, we need another kid. Oh, there's another order for a baby. Oh, I've got to throw something together quickly. I, I don't know. It's not how it happened. Some of us even in the room could say, well, you know what? My parents aren't even together anymore. And they said that their marriage was a mistake. That must mean I'm the product of a mistake. I've heard people say that to me. Or they've heard something said that has communicated to them that they were not intentional. An oops, an uh uh-oh, snuck up on mom and daddy. And it's amazing how that can affect our view of things, isn't it? It does not matter the circumstances surrounding your birth. And whatever your position is on the whole abortion issue is irrelevant to me. Because before you were even beginning to be formed, God already saw you. God already knew you. God already had in mind a purpose for you. And then He began to form you. So whatever the argument you may have about when life begins, life begins in the mind of God. That's where it begins. It begins in His mind. And so I want to encourage you today. I want you to see that it's not just revealed by His design. It's received by our faith. It's received by our faith. In other words, I can tell you this morning, I can keep saying it, I can repeat it ad nauseum until it's time for us to go, you have potential, you have potential, you have potential, you have potential. I can say it and say it and say it. But it won't matter unless you believe it. And there is a receiving by faith see here's the thing faith is evidence and faith is substance of things that are hoped for and of things that aren't seen you may be serious and well I just don't see it well put faith there then let it be your evidence well I don't see it playing out just now in my circumstances well you're going to have to receive by faith that God knew what he was doing when he made you and if you choose to embrace that there is purpose it's been revealed by his design you then receive it By faith. Faith is significant. You can't get away from faith. There's no way to get beyond it. You've got to believe that he knows best. You've got to believe that he knew what he was doing. You've got to believe that all the things that are involved when he made you were good. Maybe things have happened since then. Maybe things and experiences have tainted us this way or that, and they've led to what? Choices. But we can come back to this place of embracing purpose and receiving by faith. I'm spending a little time on this this morning because I think it's significant for us to believe that God has purpose for us. When I was 17 years old in Shreveport, Louisiana, I was attending a church service and I don't even remember what the man speaking was talking about, honestly. Uh, Maybe that's not uncommon when you're 17. Maybe it's not uncommon when you're 67. I don't know. Maybe it's just not uncommon. Maybe you'll go home today and go, what was he saying? I don't have any idea. But here's the reality. I was there and I had a moment with God. I had an encounter with God and I knew I was having a moment with God. And I felt very clearly the Lord speaking to my heart about purpose. And he spoke to me at the age of 17 that I was to to speak, that I was to preach, that this was how he made me. He made me for this. And I had to make a decision to embrace that. Up until that time, I was on two different career paths. I was trying to decide between... I was either going to go into broadcasting. I had done some work with radio. I had done some things like that. Enjoyed it. Uh, I have a face for radio, so all that's good. Uh, So it's, it's an issue of... That, that or law enforcement. That was the other one I was looking at. And they said, well, that seems really weird. But then I, became, I answered the call of God, became a pastor where I was speaking and communicating. Here's what I realized. I was broadcasting the truth and I was protecting the sheep. I actually, without realizing it, those two paths converged in the purposes of God that I could not have figured out. But here's another thing you need to understand. At the age of 17, growing up in the family I grew up in, I realized, God, I'm not sure I can do this, so I need training. So I decided I need to go to school. And I could have gone to a state college at that time, at the age of, when I was 17, which is way back there. Way back there. Yes, there were colleges. But I, yes, and I, I went to one the state tuition at that time for a state school was like $14 a semester hour. And it wasn't that long ago some of you were like, oh my goodness, the dinosaurs. No, it was in the late 70s. Right before the turn of the decade into 1980, state schools were around $14 a semester hour. That's not where I went because they weren't offering me the kind of training I felt I needed. And so I had to make a decision by faith, to receive God's purpose and believe Him in this because I wound up going to an out-of-state school that was a private school and I paid $98 a semester hour. Now, that still sounds cheap in today's world, but think about the differences between $14 and $98 that I paid. Now, here's the other thing you have to know. My parents couldn't pay any of it. They wanted to. They just didn't have the means to. And so I learned at the age of 17, turning 18, that if this was the purposes of God, if this was His potential placed in me, if this was a call that He had given me, then if I would embrace it and receive it by faith, I was going to have to trust Him to make it happen. And He did. See, I don't have a lot of patience for people who say, well, you know, I I just can't. I can't be anything meaningful because of where I was raised. I just can't. I, I I just sounds like this to me. I've traveled all over the world. I have stood in place. I've led thousands in worship. I've spoken to thousands. I've been overseas. I've been all through Central and Latin America. I've been places I could have never dreamed I would go, not because of me, but because of the purposes of God. Amen. Faith. Here's the second thing you got to do. It's another choice. It's not just embracing purpose. You have to focus passion. Now, passion in scripture is kind of a two-edged deal because a lot of things when the scripture uses words that we would translate as passion, it's negative. In fact, one of the most obvious words that can be translated this way is the word lust. But here's the thing, and we use that completely in a negative context in our mind, but the Bible doesn't use it completely in a negative context. It can be negative, and it is negative many times in Scripture, and it talks about lust. But here's the the root meaning of the word lust, a strong desire for something. When we have a strong desire for something, it could be classified as lust. Now here's one that will blow your mind. The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit lusteth after us with envy. Huh? What? How is that possible? You know what it's saying? The Holy Spirit has a strong desire that you not settle for anything less than the potential God put in you. That's what it means. So this word passion, let me make this statement about passion. Passion fuels what we pursue in life. That's what it does. So if our passion fuels what we pursue, it may be important that we focus it. So we've decided to embrace purpose. Now we want to focus passion on the purposes of God for me. I want to now become passionate. I want a strong desire for what God saw when He formed and fashioned me to be what I realize in my life. Paul said it this way. I press that I may lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. What was he saying? When Jesus came and laid hold of me on that road on the way to Damascus and revealed himself to me and changed my life forever, it became my passion from that moment on to whatever he had in his mind's eye when he did that, that's what I was about. Focus, passion. Unfocused passion gets us into trouble, doesn't it? Now let's just say it this way. Appetite. Appetite is necessary to live, right? When we're through here today, we're all going to go do what? Eat. Appetite is, is part of what God's put in us. But what happens when the appetite is unfocused or unrestrained? What happens to us? Well, you turn out like me. You get big, or we get unhealthy. It can have unhealthy consequences for us. Is that correct? Here's the deal. What helps us? Well, vision. How do you focus passion with vision? The scripture tells us that where there is no vision, people perish. Uh, The New King James says where there is no prophetic revelation, people cast off restraint. They're both saying the same thing. Vision restrains us. Another, Another way of saying that is it focuses us. It channels passion in the direction of purpose. And we look at athletes all the time and we marvel at their achievements. But the reason they've been able to do it is they've had a vision that has restrained them. You know, every four years when the Olympics come around, I'm always amazed at what these people do and how they accomplish it and what we don't see. See, we're seeing them in the limelight and what we don't see is the hours and hours and hours of work and dieting and exercise and repetition and repetition and repetition. I've known people for years. I've been a musician, and, and I use the term loosely, but I've been a musician and I, I play. I enjoy, I still enjoy playing. Uh, but I hear people sometimes say, you know, I just, I wish I could play the guitar. I wish, that's what I want to do. I want to I play the guitar. And I will ask them, do you own a guitar? no. Well, your first step is at least secure one. But what they're really saying is, I want people to look at me the way I look at those people who are up there playing. I want to be a rock star, man. I know people in ministry that are that way. They're in it for the complete wrong reason. They, they live for the moment. They want to be up, but they don't want to do the work. They don't want to dig. They don't want to read. The... I'm going to tell you, if you're a Christian, sooner or later, you know what you're going to need to do? you got to read this book. But people, we want result, but we don't want to do that. But it's important. Vision is what focuses passion, it gets us on track, it moves us. But it's not just with vision, it's with devotion. And let me give you a different word for devotion because that sounds kind of religious. Relationship. Why don't you change the name of your morning devotions to being your morning time of relationship? It kind of shifts it around a little bit, doesn't it? This is about my relationship with God. Now, focus passion. I said that the the first word, embracing purpose, that's the phrase, I formed you. Focusing passion is the second phrase, I sanctified you. That's what God said to Jeremiah. I formed you, but I also sanctified you. Let me just sum this up for you. Basically, it means to set apart. Yeah. Another way of saying it is, I made you for something and then I ruined you to anything else. <laughs> That's I saw something, I made you. Nothing else will be fulfilling in your life. I've ruined you. <laughs> Sanctified is another one of those religious words. That's a Sean Connery word, isn't it? sanctified. Can you just hear him say it? All God's people should be sanctified. You just do Sean Connery thing. But if you get beyond that and understand that it means to be set apart, it's also the idea of being holy. We know that the, the implements used in the work of the temple and the tabernacle were considered holy, but it wasn't because of the materials they were made out of. They didn't fall out of the sky. Extraterrestrials didn't bring them to earth. That's not what made them holy. You know what made them holy? They were used for nothing else but the purpose of God. Focus, passion. See, that's what we see in Scripture. So we embrace purpose and then we focus passion with vision and devotion. Relationship does something. When we're in relationship, our focus gets narrowed. We're no longer out surveying the field. We have discovered someone Put it in relational terms. And now they have drawn our attention and our focus. Are you hearing me? The scripture tells us, men, that we're to be that kind of focus, satisfied with the wife of our youth for all our days. It's about the focus of passion. It's important. Here's the third one, and without this one, nothing else happens. We have to receive power. We need to embrace purpose. We have to focus passion. Those are choices. But the next choice is to receive power. Why do we need to receive power? Well, the word, I ordained you, that phrase goes with this. The word ordained, that again, it sounds like something Well, that happens when we have elders or, or a pastor. We, go, we lay hands on them and you know, empty hands go on empty heads and who knows what happens <laughs> from there. But that's what we think of we think of ordination, being ordained. But literally the word means to enable, to empower, to authorize. I like that. It's in essence we're saying, God, you've said something. There's potential. There's purpose you have for me. It's bigger than me. I can't accomplish this on my own. Let me just make it to you this way. Here's the reality. The first thing you've got to do is admit your need. The call of God humbled me to the point of saying, God, without you, this is going to be a mess. And so in that place of admitting my need, I discover His provision for my need. He said, I have chosen you. I I formed you. I've set you apart to this, sanctified you, but I've also ordained you. When you make these choices, I'll ordain you. I will authorize you, enable and empower you to get it done. That's significant. That is so significant. Here's it. I have power tools, okay, uh, in my garage, and I like them. They make noise. They, They do cool stuff. And I also own musical instruments. And so any tool or any instrument, let me just tell you something. In order for it to fulfill its created potential requires power outside of itself for it to happen. I have a, a, some power saws that make cutting wood quick and easy. And sometimes when I share this with people, I say, "Well, Bill, what about a handsaw? There's no power there." So, well, next time you think about that, take your handsaw, lay it on a piece of wood, come back in an hour, and see if it cut it for you. It won't. It needs power outside of itself to partner with its potential in order for it to come to be. So I might be the power for the handsaw. It's fulfilling its potential as it partners with me supplying the power. That's you. God made you to partner with Him. God made you. It's why we get so frustrated when we try to do things apart from Him because we were made for partnership. His purposes require partnership and He ordains us. But we have to believe the promise. What Jeremiah say? I'm too young. I'm too inexperienced. Can't do it. You may be saying, I'm not too young, but it's too late. Same excuse. It's the same excuse. If we make the choice to believe, he said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to come behind you. I'm going to be with you. That's what makes the difference. Every one of us is full of potential created by God. No exceptions here. This is called Generations Church, and I recognize that there are people here from many generations because I'm clever like that. (laughs) It's hard to put one over on me. But it would be easy for those who are younger to say, I don't have the experience. It would be easier for those who are older To say, it's too late. Both are excuses. There is no reason for you to settle for anything less than the potential of purpose that God had in mind when He formed and fashioned you. We know the Scripture tells us that even in old age, those who delighted in the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. That's what Scripture says. Your days of influence, impact, and difference-making won't end until you die. If you're breathing today, everybody look at me, are you breathing? Then this statement includes you. If you're breathing, you have potential as it relates to the purposes of God. We have to embrace purpose, focus, passion, and receive power. Let me close right here. Let me give you three statements. Your potential, number one, just please hear this, is not hindered by your present circumstance. Your present circumstance does not hinder the potential God put in you. Your choices can hinder it, but your circumstances can't. I'm living truth. right there of that. Your potential is not limited to your present view of yourself your situation. Point of view can change, can't it? Your present one is not going to limit the potential God put in you. And your potential is not defined by your present position. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father, We are so, so dependent on you to help us, to embrace purpose, to focus passion, and to receive power. All around this room, there are people from many different uh, situations and they may be experiencing completely different circumstances. But what you saw when you formed and fashioned us is not determined by these circumstances. It's not limited by them. It's not hindered by them. Or even our present view of ourselves or even the situation we seem to be in. If we will choose to look to you today, just as Jeremiah did, We can see potential released. We can make a difference. We can live a life of meaning. Coming into partnership with your purpose. But Lord, it all begins when we say yes to your call. To relationship with you. And to partner with your purposes. Thank you, Holy Spirit, today. Would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? Would you challenge us? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Pastor Allen, I want to turn it back to you.
1: Thank you. If you're taking notes, would you write this down as a result of hearing this word? Today I will. This week I will. This month I will. Three things. What what are you going to do today as a result of hearing this word? What are you going to do this week? What are you going to do this month? And I think part of it is talking to people that are for you and aren't against you. People that believe in you. Definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting things to change, right? So... There's change in the air. There's shifting happening. Why not join in with that and let the Lord use you? Amen. Let's stand. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord himself cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God Almighty lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you. Have a great week.
2: God of you. you are God of our Saviors, Virgin. Birth. Oh, you were God on the cross and God over hell. You were God before man and God when it fell. Oh, yes, sir, you, you are. are God of the heavens and God of the earth. Uh-huh. You are God of our Savior's Virgin Birth. Oh, you are God. what God With you, yeah, 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 down yeah. yeah, yeah we we'll yeah, give you the glory, yeah. Yeah, 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 You are God, it will seem like like heaven's. Oh, I he you To evermore. That's I do.
0: Bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Almighty lift up His countenance upon you and give you His amazing peace that surpasses understanding. I came back
4: again to that secret place.
1: Thank you for tuning in today for Worship and the Word with Generations Church. You may hear our radio broadcast again at the same time and station next week. If you do not have a church congregation to call home and you live near the Granberry area, we would love to invite you to come check us out some Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our meeting facilities are located at 5718 East Highway 377 on the Fort Worth side of Granberry. And our website is at generationschurch.org.
0: excited to announce Generations Church now has two opportunities for attending Sunday services at 9 and 10:30 a.m. This exciting addition to our meeting times enables us to provide more ministry fellowship, and friendship. So we want you to join us at 9 or 10.30 this Sunday morning and find your new church home with us. Call us at 817-326-5378 or visit generationspeople.org and experience for yourself all the exciting things happening at Generations. That's 817-326-5378 or generationspeople.org. We look forward to seeing you this Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30. Generations Church of Granbury is located at 5718 East Highway 377.